Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick, and I'm your host. This is a live weekly radio show on WPRK featuring makers, artists, and professionals who are doing something neat. The show is then converted via magic to a podcast. Consider subscribing if you haven't already. You can do that on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Real talk for a second, this may seem like a one-man operation because of the quality of the production and the writing and the amount of self-deprecation that I do, but there are a lot of people to thank the guest, Jose Hanau, taking time from his work and family to come on the show, the gang at WPRK for letting me do this, the Melrose Center at the Orlando Library System where I record stuff, and you. Thanks for listening. Now on with the show. Good morning. Thank you for listening to WPRK. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. I'm here every week from 7 to 9 a.m. on Mondays. And every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Jose Hanau is here. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you. I'm so glad. Get right up on that microphone. All right. I want you to be heard. I want to have a good conversation with you. Jose, we met a couple of years ago. I think it was right after the Hanau Contemporary Center opened. Yeah, you were uh, the first person to come by and, and ask for an interview. Yeah. yeah, because I thought it was really cool what you were doing in terms of uh, just you found this space, you had an idea of what you wanted to do, and you opened it up. So, uh, But I don't know you all that well. Yeah. So we're going to get to know each other a little bit better, or I'm going to get to know you a little bit better. You might get to know me a little bit better, but uh, uh, basically we're going to play a game right now. It's going to be called wax or wane okay so it's going to be 20 questions i'm just going to throw some things out there you're just going to respond but instead of saying yes or no up or down you're going to say wax Mm -hmm. if you're for something because what's better than wax you got candles you got uh apparently you're not supposed to clean out your ears did you know this you're not supposed to stick q-tips in your ears i didn't know that yeah no don't do that (laughs) every like nine out of nine doctors say you're not supposed to do that which blows me away to that clean oh i know that just that and the little <laughs> weird feeling of having it in there. Yeah. And have you ever done the candle, like, to get the wax out? Like, no. it pulls, it creates a vacuum. It's a really strange feeling. Try that sometime. Wane is if you're against something. Because something that's waning is going away. That's never a good thing. Or Bruce Wayne, like, the okay. nerdier cousin of Batman. Is that, okay. that's, that's right? They're related, right? I have no idea. Okay, Bruce Wayne and Batman? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> very good at pop culture so i'll just i'll just uh put that out there right now perfect perfect well then you're gonna do very well with this all right so let's start with one it's uh it's currently summer uh how did you feel about summer camp as a kid wax or wane um did you ever go to one i only did one yeah i only, I only did one and it was with my school in orlando and uh i loved it so um yeah wax I wax guess. on that yeah. Was it a particular, like, was it a sleepaway camp or was it, what were you doing? In the it camp? was a sleepaway camp and it was like, I want to say it was like in the mountains or it was like, like super nature. Um, and we did just a bunch of crafts, basically, you know, learn how to make a fire and build candles and nothing really exciting. But as a little kid, everything's like brand new. So somebody yeah. teach you how to make your own candle and it's like. It's really cool. Like it's a it's a it's a cool learning experience. I never did it again, but see now if you were doing that out of soy, you'd have a whole business line opened up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
All right, very good. Uh, how about voicemail? How do you feel about voicemail? Voicemail. Um, wax or Wayne? Wax or Wayne. Voicemail. I'm going to have to go with wax if it's uh, just straight voicemail. If you can just call and leave a voice message. Some people know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Uh, but if you actually have to call, then I'm going to have to say Wayne. Oh, you don't like calls in general? I think texting is much more like direct <laughs> and faster. Just tell me what you need. Just tell me exactly what you need. Yeah. That's a get in and out and on with your life. Yeah. All right. So if you had a way to block the phone calls or have them translate to a text immediately. That would be that awesome. Would be really useful. Okay. That's somebody's golden app idea right there. <laughs> Well, we're going to have some terrible ideas coming up, so just you wait on that. How do you feel? Okay, so let's talk about pop culture for a second. I know you're not into it, but how do you feel about zombies? Zombies. Like, are you into the zombie movies? Are you into them as an analogy for how we are when it comes to anything from electronics to uh, to certain uh, theme parks or restaurants? I don't know. I, I think I think... It's pretty hard to do anything with the zombies now because so much amazing stuff has been done. So most of the new stuff, I'm gonna have to, I'm, I'm gonna have to wane, and then, and then, old school stuff. You're old into? school stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the George Romero, yeah, kind of thing, Dawn of the Dead, all that stuff. Yeah. Are you scared of running zombies? Are you more scared of running zombies? Running zombies, like I am Legend, kind of. Yeah, yeah, zombies. Yeah, yeah those are terrifying. Yeah, man, those are the worst. Sure. Yeah, yeah. When they there's start no way around it. No, I knew there was. <laughs> like maybe if they're just kind of slow going, I, I might have a chance. But yeah, otherwise, uh, how do you feel about jerky? Um, Wax or Wayne? Wayne, I'm gonna have to Wayne. Oh, you don't like jerky? Yeah, I used to be a big jerky fan. Yeah. Um, what happened? You had some bad jerky? You had some gristle? I don't know. I just, I think I've just been eating less meat in general. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. But I used to eat a lot of jerky and now I'm just, I'll pass on the jerky. All right. Pass on jerky. Uh, how do you feel about, you're an artist. Mm -hmm. Cursive. You have three kids. Uh, are they in the process of learning cursive? How's their handwriting? Do you think kids should have to learn it? They're bringing it back in a lot of schools. My oldest is um, six. So her regular type looks like cursive. Uh, <laughs> no, um, they're not there yet, but I think it's cool. I think it's, I think it's good uh, to have a little, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like elementary school design. You know, so it's got to be good for something. It's got to be good for the mind in some way, I would imagine. Um, Making what types connections and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Typography, is something that I'm that I'm really into. So definitely uh, wax on that. As an artist, and as uh, so, we'll talk about the Hanau Contemporary Center. Something you started. You saw a need in the community. Uh, especially where it is uh, uh, over in sort of the edge of College Park, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, how do you feel about crowdfunding? So the idea of an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter, especially from an artist side of things. Crowdfunding is a, is a miracle. You know, yeah. it's it's a it's it's a modern miracle. Uh, it gives the ability. It gives 
people access creatives, especially um, because it's very visual based. And if you can move somebody with your story or with whatever video you put together, um, then it gives you direct access to like funding. Um, Whereas the channels before were very like narrow and specific and you would have to like uh, probably write something, create some kind of submission. I mean, all these grant applications mm-hmm. are, are still out there, but a lot of people, for a lot of people that can't kind of fit into that framework for yeah, either socioeconomic and, reasons yeah. or because their mind doesn't work like that, this gives kind of like a different type of person, maybe like a visual artist, a direct way to get in front of eyes. And if, if, it makes the people the the judge. You know, is this worth money? Uh, I think it's I think it's great. And and also, I mean, I would imagine that tech is what's getting most of the the crowdfunding dollars. So uh, I bet a lot of amazing stuff has has happened because of crowdfunding. Uh, definitely wax on that. That's really cool. It seems like you're for it. Uh, driverless cars, wax or wine. Jeez, uh, I, I, do you know, do, do, do you know the statistics? Because supposedly it's still safer to, to drive in a driverless car than it is, um, just driving on your own, just driving on your own, statistically speaking. Yeah. Uh, I think just because it's, there's not that many driverless cars out there. So it's easier for the statistics to be a little bit more one-sided in that vein. Yeah, if there's only two cars and one yeah. gets in an accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you get 70 years worth or 80 years worth of driver, uh, uh, human driver cars data. Yeah. And then, what, three, four years worth of driverless car data? Yeah. So I would imagine that. So would you, I, I guess the question is, would you just jump in one if they had one right now? If there Man, was I would jump in one. Yeah. I have to wax on that because... Uh, I would definitely, I would definitely like if there was one outside, I'd, I'd, I'd jump in just for the experience. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just take me here. Yeah, and then just see. It'd if it probably be here. a little scary, I can imagine, you yeah. know. But, um, you don't know, like, man, what's controlling the gas pedal, right? What's controlling, like, but uh, uh, do you remember when Toyota, the uh, um. I think it's the Priuses were having that problem where they were just totally accelerating until they would like crash. No, no. Yeah, there was just there on was, their own. They would have uh, just on the, with yeah with people in there driving. They wouldn't be able to control the the speed of of the vehicle, and they would lose control. And they'd they'd call like there's like nine one one emergency calls. Yeah. Um, so technology is crazy. I don't really know what the solution was for that, but obviously they fixed it. Um, or did they? Or did they? I mean, if you're driving just... a Prius, we have a lot of Prius drivers are fans of the show or listening right now, and you can't stop, call us. Yeah, we'll help. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I'm curious about it. Wax, definitely. definitely. All right, so you're into it, Wax but it's a little bit scary. I guess the other question is, would you get in there with your kids? Uh, Man, I don't, I don't know if I would do that today. Yeah, I mean, so that I, becomes I think it'd a little be pretty bit. cool. Yeah, I like being an explorer, but not, not necessarily when it comes to the kids as well. Of course, they would just go around me and jump in themselves. They're eleven and fourteen, so I have no control left. Uh, sleep. <laughs> How do you feel about sleep, wax or wine? Sleep, wax. 
wax wax on that. And I'm um, sure you get enough. Yeah, I get enough <laughs> nowadays, but I mean, I think your philosophy has to change on that in different points of life. So up up until not long ago, I was saying I'll sleep when I'm dead, and and now that I'm actually getting some sleep, got a wax wax on that. I'm getting enough. I'm getting enough sleep now, and and it feels great. So you're waking up, rest- I mean, except for today, you're usually waking up rested. Yeah. Today I got you out of bed pretty early to come yeah. on the show. Yeah, but I mean, even that, you know, I, I got to bed at, at like 11.30 last night, so it's not, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. decent amount of sleep. I think six hours is yeah good. You so know? you weren't nervous about coming on like I was about, like every week I'm nervous, I'm rewriting everything that I wrote. Um, doing yeah, no, research. super nervous, super nervous. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. That makes me feel better. How do you feel about <laughs> sandwiches? Um, Wax or Wayne? Man. Yeah, these are tough questions. These are tough questions. I'm not going to let you off lightly this early <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to wane. I'm going to have to go against probably like my my American me and and have to wane on that so is that because uh, you mentioned earlier you're eating less meat i'm eating less bread too ah okay yeah yeah so apparently uh apparently bread is the devil that's it's, my understanding yeah it's the it's like uh all idle the, all hands are the devil's bread sticks <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think is how it goes i yeah. think that's the saying related it's like yeah coming out of the devil's bakery or something so why where does this coming from? Is this an overall strategy and like you're I, I'm gonna eat healthier, so I'm eliminating these things? Or is it just It comes know? from my wife. Okay. Yeah. Um but once you start eating healthy, um you notice how bad bad foods make you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh you notice the difference in your energy level. Um your overall mood. Uh, so, so I've just started to avoid these things, uh, kind of like you said, as, as a strategy to keep my energy up and, and be able to focus on the things that, that I need to focus on. So we have a lot of listeners uh, that are bad foods. So a lot of comfort foods, tater tots is a big mm-hmm. listener. So what I think what I would want you to to kind of clarify there is you're not saying they're bad. Like tater tots are good. They're just not, I guess, you know, the, the I don't want the tater tots to feel bad. Yeah. No, I'm definitely this. saying they're bad. Okay. Well, definitely that's saying they, taste they, they, they taste okay, great. They taste great. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. They taste great. They taste they great. They make you feel terrible. And, and I mean, you have to, you, you got to live, you know? So, so we just, we just had, dirty fries in, in North Carolina in the mountains and they, they uh, you know, loaded with like shredded pork and it was delicious. But especially now that we don't eat that way, it really like you pay oh, that's for it gonna, later. Yeah, that's going to make you feel even worse because you're not used to that. Yeah. Like me, I could eat tater tots right now. Yeah. Feel bad, but not worse than <laughs> usual because I've been eating tater yeah. tots pretty much with every meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tater tots is a sponsor, by the way. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry there, tater tots. <laughs> I didn't know you were, you were bawling like that. Let's go back to the technology for a second because this I find uh, pretty fascinating. You know how, you know, the startups seem to happen out west and then they move east, right? So we've got 
uh, one of the things that started up was bike share programs out in the San Francisco area, Silicon Valley, and we have them out here now. Uh, so the latest thing that they're having, and it's causing some controversy, are electric scooters. So same idea, you can just walk up to one, swipe a card, rent it out. But you've got all these now uh, electric scooters on sidewalks in cities. Mm. And so it's kind of dangerous. You know, you're walking yeah. down a sidewalk and here comes this uh, scooter zooming at you. Mm -hmm. So how would you feel about that? Wax on that. Yeah. Pedestrians, pedestrians better, uh, better learn to evade, jump nice. out of the way. So maybe like a Mad Max style electric scooter with like the cow tipper in the front. Why and not? Just knocking them out of the way. Why not? You're just going full board. Just you have somewhere to be. <laughs> huh? You have somewhere to be. You took the effort <laughs> to rent out an electric scooter to get there. No, I'll tell you why. Um, there's just not enough road space and there's just not enough housing space. So creative solutions are, are, are a um, necessity. And, and something like that is... is, is even if it doesn't work out, it's a good experiment to run. We're trying, And right? see, like, yeah. will this help? Yeah. I like that. All right. And plus, you get to drive an electric scooter down the side. Yeah, and mow yeah. people over. That's, that's fun, too. <laughs> as long as somebody doesn't just put an arm out and take you down. <laughs> that's true. Uh, how do you feel about reading on a tablet? Like, is that something you do? Is that something you're used to yet? Do you prefer just having an artifact of a book? Honestly, um, I'm I'm very ADD, so I have a hard time reading anything. Um, but especially on on like a tablet or some kind of screen, uh, it's I think it's a lot more difficult. Uh, plus, there's a lot of distractions on the screen. You know, get an email or yeah, you can you, always just switch over to. Yeah, uh, you know, internet real quick to check the score, and then you're mm -hmm. down a rabbit hole somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good. Uh, so let me ask you about this one. Uh, I always like to ask this one: tiny houses, wax or wane? Definitely wax on that for the same reason as as the other one. You know, these everybody can't have a McMansion. Um, there's just not enough space, and we all want it. You know, like man, I want some distance from my neighbors. I want some land, but it's just not, you know, you can't have one person occupying a large amount of space. It just yeah. doesn't work with the numbers. How, how many people are in the world right now? We hit like 7, seven billion. billion? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, so tiny houses are, are great. You know, if, if, if I saw a story about these people, and I've seen a, a handful of stories about like successful people that had really big homes and, you know, they're doing really well for themselves, but they find themselves in that kind of like cycle to where it's like work, maintenance on the house, and they're making all of this money. But at the end of the day, they're not really living, you know, they're, they're like, they're trapped in making a living and not so much in living. Um... I think there's something to that, too, with this idea of you create this environment that you don't necessarily want to leave. Mm. You've invested so much in it. Mm -hmm. So then you feel like, well, you know, I, I can't travel because I need to do this. I need to refurnish or 
uh, add on this or I need to yeah. get a bigger house so we won't be able to have these experiences outside. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about the the sort of tiny house philosophy is if you're you're moving to one, you have to get rid of a bunch of stuff. You have to simplify mm-hmm. your life. It forces you to because you have nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. A storage unit is just dumb at that point. Yeah. But then also, you know, it's a tiny house. You're going to spend some time there. You're going to sleep there and you're going to mm-hmm. change and you're going to get ready for work. But for the most part, you're not necessarily going to be so comfortable in it that you're going to watch your big screen TV and mm-hmm. and do all that. Yeah. Like I had one guest on who joked about he would just put on his VR headset and he could be fine in any small space. And it's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. But you can also like go outside more yeah. and go visit other people and, and build community and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah. So in that end, it kind of, you know, I think that's a big part of thinking. it. Yeah. And I think that's really super insightful that we do kind of create these environments that we don't want to get out of, you know, and, and that's 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 a really interesting thought. Um, going back to how hard people work to create those environments. Um, I don't know. Then just kind of sit there. Well, let's leave it at that for now. I feel like I got to know you a little bit better. We're going to talk about an environment that people want to get into, the Hanau Contemporary Center. I want to learn a little bit more about your thinking in terms of, you know, as you're developing this, uh, coming up with a plan for it, two and a half years in, what did you learn from, uh, you know, the experience that you might want to share with other people? And, you know, I think in general, it's a little bit of an introduction to it as well. Not many people necessarily know about it it's still very underground yeah, yeah and that's great on some level but you know i've gone there now i think twice and i would love to go more often and just get to you know I, obviously i don't want to feel out of place as the old man with a bunch of young people so i want to figure out what the right events are but there's so many there's such a variety of events there yeah. that you can find something so we're going to talk about that in a little bit and so uh yeah we'll leave it at that Cool. All right. Let's play a song. We've got uh, Mini Boon with Man Woman on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Fill in the Gaps. Actors and other performance artists, the backbone of the economy, the best people among us. As good looking and talented as they are, sometimes they need a day job to make ends meet. And to get that day job, their resumes could use a little zhushing, a little something extra. Well, that's where we come in. Fill in the Gaps has set up a number of shell corporations that help performers with their career crevasses. Is this legal? Maybe. Ethically, it's a gray area. How do we make it a little more ethical? By doubling down on the fraud. Along with lying about the companies you've worked for, we'll also provide job titles and responsibilities that make your resume more interesting. Here are some examples of jobs that you can say you held. Retail harbinger. Flavor curator. In-house color technician enthusiast. Digital Haberdasher, Sound Design Ambassador, and Beard Sommelier. In some cases, the prospective employer will be too embarrassed to ask about the job since they'll want to look like they understand it. Fill in the gaps. Make your life appear complete on your resume. You won't actually be complete or feel complete. You're going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. Mini Boone on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. That was Man, Woman. Good morning. My name is Nick. A uh, very special guest today, as I have every week on Mondays from 7 to 9. Jose Hanau is here. Good morning again, Jose. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. The Hanau Contemporary Center. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, and then I'll get into the history of it because I want to know exactly what it was you were thinking. I talked to you a little bit about it. You know, you kind of had this piece of property, yeah, and you wanted to do something with it. Uh, well, the Hanau Contemporary Center is a four thousand square foot facility. Um, it's two rooms, a main room, which started out as a gallery. It's roughly a 3,000-square-foot gallery, so it's pretty big for Orlando's standards. Um, and then it had a separate 1,100-square-foot room that we are using as a performance space and uh, has a little craft beer and wine bar. Um, but recently, we've been swapping the rooms so we've been uh, remodeling between shows and uh, and turning the front room into the performance space and uh, in the process of working on the back room to to create a, a gallery space back there. So is that just from when you started it, you were thinking this is how much space you would need for performances, this is how much space you would need for the gallery? And it just so happens that after two and a half years of doing this, you realize that the performance aspect of the center is just taking up. It needs more room. It yeah. needs more space to grow. Well, it it uh um. It's always been a low budget operation. It's like really operating on a shoestring. Um, so just taking what was kind of like a um dilapidated thrift store in, in, in like a forgotten part of town um, and turning it into a gallery took a lot of time, money and, and energy um, just to kind of like gut the place out and make it look nice to put art up. So um, it was never really, there was never really a budget to kind of create a large performance space. It's only, it's only been up until recently that, um, we've kind of been upgrading sound and, mm -hmm. and the events have kind of changed uh, and gotten bigger. So uh, there's a need to, to have more space, but um, the place has just kind of evolved with, with the days. It was never really kind of like, a, it, it was never really a plan to have a, a, even have a performance space. That was kind of like an afterthought. Like I, I knew some friends that were doing comedy Yeah, and, uh, they were just looking for an interesting place to to have to some shows. So you thought bring some people in and we, have them exposed to this new facility that you have over there. Yeah. So we we made like a little a little space in the back for them, uh, and then from comedy we started doing some stuff with with the guys uh, that do poetry, um, uh -huh. Joe XO and Safe Words, uh, that are usually at the Milk District. Um, they started doing some stuff. They started doing some stuff there. And then we started having some music events. And the music events got bigger. Um, and a couple of venues closed down. And then the people that were doing events there were looking for spaces. And some of them started coming by. And, um, so just very organic growth of the facility and the types of events that you're doing there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
You, you mentioned that it's in a forgotten part of town, and I think that one of your missions and one of the things that you're concentrating on is making sure that that part of town is represented. What would you call that? Because I know it's, it's like borderline college park, but what part of town would you describe that as? What is it called? It has, it has an official name. Um, I, just, the I think it's roads? like King, King's Landing. It's Lee Road and Edgewater Drive. Yeah. So it's it's about two miles north of College Park, where Edgewater Drive uh, gets industrial. Yeah. So it's, there's a bunch of so like almost to Lee Road, just past Lee Road. Oh, just so past between Lee Road. between yeah. Lee, Lee Road and, and Forest City, where all the uh, like tire shops and and used car lots are. But this was also a conscious effort, not only to bring it to that part of the community. I'm sure it was you know because of the the community it was in when you were looking to. Uh, uh, to buy something, it was probably relatively speaking affordable, right? Yeah. Um, but also the effort that you make in terms of the artists that are there, whether that's the events or the actual artists that are there exhibiting, is an effort to showcase people who wouldn't necessarily be able to be showcased anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Well, we, we've given some really cool people their first like uh, official gallery show. People that have been doing shows uh like i'm the most obvious one is scott white scott white's the the owner of rise above tattoos over there on on uh mills 50 and um you know he's he's been in the art scene as well as the tattoo scene in in orlando for um a long time and he's put up art in, in a bunch of different places he curates the art that goes into ethos um and uh i just saw his work at Ethos, I was, I was eating lunch with my wife, and I was like, oh, man, whose work is that? So I asked the uh, um, asked a couple of people, but nobody really knew. Somebody gave me a form, and anyway, I, I got in touch with uh, the owners. Uh, we know the owners. They're really, really great people. Uh, they told me it was Scott White's art, and we gave him, we gave him his first, uh, like, gallery solo show, Um Put a few weeks of work into it. He came with his buddies and created an installation, and um, it was really nice, man. The turnout was great. It was it was a sold out show. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was fantastic. So those are one of those like really cool stories where people have kind of been doing smaller things in the community with art, um, and then they're just given like a nice, clean, big space to 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 create with and, and, uh, and they make something really special. Yeah. So to take us back two and a half years ago, was it just, Hey, I'm just gonna, I, I'm going to buy this property and create a art space, maybe not an event space at the time in your head. It was just going to be an art space, a gallery. Yeah. Um, was that what happened or did this opportunity fall into your lap to purchase the, uh, the place and this, and this is what became of it. You thought maybe I was gonna, you were gonna do something else with it. Like, how did this start? How did you get the idea for it? Uh, well, I, I had tried to open up a, a a fun, vibrant art space a few times uh, with with some friends, and uh, and it and it never worked out. And I really, I just, I had given up on it. So this this whole thing is a total fluke because I was going to, uh, I was going to like the fire fire academy you know i was going to be a firefighter they have this program where you can um uh 
you can basically try out for um, about a month mm-hmm. was the original plan. You try out for about a month. It's like open calls and just a bunch of people come in and they put you through this program and they see whoever shines. Um, they'll pay for you to go through the fire academy, like the real fire academy. Um, so basically they hire you instead of you paying to go to school, the fire school or whatever. Um, they pay you while you go. So you're already hired. Okay. Um, kind of a guaranteed job at the end of it. Guaranteed job that you kind of have to, you have to work for. Uh, but I was in the military. So for me, it was like really, it, it was, it was a natural fit. Um, so I was doing that for a couple of months and going to school. Uh, I was using the GI bill and, um, and I got a call to, to help rehab this, this building. Um, because I had always done that my whole life. I, I had helped people with drywall, you know, like, uh, it's a bunch of stuff. I like to work with my hands. So it's really, it's, it's a total fluke. I had already given up on this whole creating a vibrant art space, like total fluke. This thing pops up. And, um, so I was like, all right, during the summer, uh, I'll help rehab this building. Um, it's my folks, my folks building. It's my father. My father's, uh, an amazing person. He's, a uh, He's one of those people that that I guess we're working really hard to keep out of the states nowadays. Uh, he came over here and he didn't know the language. Uh, just hardworking person, uh, highly ambitious and smart, um, and just worked various jobs. Worked in Rhode Island um, in in a factory, and uh, ended up kind of figuring out the whole used car thing and, and started out with a car and then started selling a couple of cars. And, um, anyway, now he's, he's a, he's a business owner and, and, uh, he had purchased this, this building when the, when the economy was down around like 2010, but it was a real piece of work, man. Was, this building was in really, really rough shape, really rough shape. Yeah. And, uh, he just bought it because it was really cheap. And it's part of like his his uh, his retirement plan. Like I'm just gonna rent out these properties, but it's not that easy. So the people that he was renting the property out to, you have this, you know, POS building, um, and then they're they're renting it. They're only making it worse because this is the type of people that were renting it have uh, limited money you know they're they're not like serious business people they're like tattoo people that are like, i'm gonna put up a tattoo tattoo company but they go in there and they just party with their friends and they uh the building just kept getting worse and worse so he called me while i was in school and he said hey i need help rehabbing this building um and this is when you were the fire academy sort yeah, of yeah okay. yeah it was really rough it was really really rough and, and really since that time it's been like 70 70, 80 hour weeks for such a long time up until recently. Like I just, just hired help maybe like two or three months ago. Um, so back to a yeah, couple, sorry, a few years ago in the summer, this was maybe three years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, your dad called, we'll fix it. Help me fix this up and we'll figure yeah, out what to do so with I, next. I worked during the summer. I said, let me get through this semester and then I'll, I'll work. I'll, I'll help you through the summer. Um, 
So I started working with him through the summer and uh, kind of fell in love with the building. And that old idea started coming back into my mind, like maybe, man, this it would be really cool to make something right here. That's yeah, that, yeah. that's like cultural that gives this like tire shops around here and, and, and auto zones and, and whatever. Um, but even in the city at large and just, just to create like a, like a, a vibrant art space, a lot of people go out and do the same things. Most people go out and do the same things in life and they're not happy. You know, they they, they, um, they get home and it's like, um, I love, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. You know, like just go to the place that, you know, you're going to have the same experience. Cause you don't want to take a chance yeah. on having a worse experience. Exactly. But then you're also not taking a chance on having a better experience. Or also you're just exhausted and you don't want to look stuff up, you know, yeah. like you get home and I just want to relax, you know? So, um, to, to give people an option to where they can go and see something that's different in a place where they're going to feel comfortable, a place that's that's clean and the people are good. Um, as far as like, you know, there's there's no there's never any uh, bad attitudes or egos in this place, no matter what the what the event is. We've had a couple of events that that we hosted for some promoters two, literally two in three years where it wasn't a good vibe. People yeah. people kind of like had bad attitudes and, and those people never came back. Like they were never invited to, uh, to do anything at the center again, but, um, it's kind of a, it's, it's a space where people can, can go experience something new and whether they love it, understand it or not, they're going to remember it. You know, they're, they're, they're going to go home and it's going to be like a, like, like a good experience, something that they, that they remembered and the people are always going to be friendly. Um, what was it about going back to when you're renovating the building? When did the, was there something specific that made the light bulb go off and you go, Hey, I kind of want to do something with this space. I want to create something. It was, it was the floors. So we had knocked down all the, all the walls. Um, we kind of like expanded the, uh, the bathrooms, tiled it. Everything was looking, everything was looking nice. Um, they had these carpets. It was like, it was like carpet and then underneath the carpet was a layer of vinyl and then underneath the, the vinyl was like the mastic, the glue. And then we didn't know what was underneath, but we just knew we pulled up the carpet and then we saw the vinyl and knew we had to pull up the vinyl. So we pulled up the vinyl. Um, all the glue, the mastic is there. Pulled up all that mastic and then it was just a concrete floor. And by chance, by like, man, when I tell you all of this is kind of like a, like a fluke, it all kind of happened by accident um this guy comes walking in the door and says i noticed you guys are working on this building uh i have a flooring company we polish up these concrete floors and uh i could tell he was he was looking for he's going door to door right now you know so he's going through tough times um and we didn't have much of a budget but i was like look this is how much money i have can you make it happen he was like i can make it happen uh, so, so, uh, polishing those floors for that biggest space normally would have been like a seven, eight, $9,000 job. Um, I think I only paid him like 
$2,500 or, or, or $3,000 and, and he polished up the floors. And then I started looking at it and I was like, oh man, this would be like a really, this would be a really cool art space. Um, just from the floors, you saw him, you just saw from the reflection floors. in the floors and you said. I, just from the floors, man, just, <laughs> just from the floors. I was like, this, this would be, this would be a really, there was nothing there. It was, we had stripped the walls. It was like, it was, it was uh, uh, masonry walls, you know, yeah. it was a, the, the cement block walls. And the floor it was wide. It was a wide open space. Um, but it's like it, it's a blank canvas. It's a. It was a blank canvas, really. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you saw. Yeah. So so uh, um, so I said, oh, let me reach out to some artists and see if see if I can do something. If I can do something, and and this place can generate some money, then I'll take the money that that comes into the building and and continue to rehab your building. If it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, then then I'll give you back a building that's. You know, better than you, yeah, yeah. Um, and right off the bat, I, I linked up with this guy called Josh Garrick. He's a, a photographer, like a historic photographer. He goes out to Greece and, and and shoots pictures of like the ruins out there, and then uh, has them etched onto aluminum. And uh, I didn't know he was doing any of that. Is like another another total another total freak accident here. I just wanted to talk to him because I. I knew that he was a curator for uh, Millennia Arts Gallery, which was the largest art gallery in the in the Southeast United States. They had amazing art, um, amazing art uh, here in Orlando. And I knew he was a curator there, so I just wanted to ask him why the place closed down. Um, because some advice, yeah. Because yeah. if if they couldn't make it with with the level of talent that they had in Orlando, then then uh, uh, there's you know there's no there's no hope. So I went and I asked him and, and then I basically found out that the person that was running it had stole like $3 million from, from the business and that's why it closed down. So I was like, okay, I guess there is potential. It's not the art necessarily. It's not the business of art. It's the yeah. actual people behind it sometimes. Yeah, and it, it, it's, not the, uh, it's not that there's not enough money for it in Orlando. Yeah. But I didn't know. Orlando's also one of the lowest paid uh, metropolises in the United States. You know, it consistently rates... Um, in like the bottom five. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tourism, so a lot of people do service jobs. Uh, but what I like about this in terms of your process is you're going in eyes wide open, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going in and doing the research. You're not taking a lot of risk on your like, let's try it out. Just do yeah. it. This is obviously a passion of yours. Yeah. Right. This is something you wanted mm-hmm. to do. And until now, I didn't realize that it's it's for your family, right? The Hanau Contemporary Center is named for your family. Yeah. Uh, because it was really kind of your dad that helped you get your start in this. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Yeah. Hanau's a very common Colombian name. It's like Smith in Colombia, mm-hmm. but nobody knows it here. So it's really cool to kind of like put up that put up that flag, you know, and and, and it's a, it's like if you're if you're a hardcore American and, and you go to another country and you open up Smith's. And nobody knows how to pronounce it, and they're like, "Smite, what is Smite. that?" Schmidt. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really cool, and and I, I more than anything, I think it's something that that really uh, um, that really makes my my father proud, you know, to be able to see that he came over here. He used to like, he used to live in an efficiency in New York, and and uh, he said he would line up three chairs and pull out a drawer, and that's where he would put his feet. And he'd like cover himself up in newspapers because they didn't have uh, heat. 
So in the New York winters, he that's that's how he slept. He shared an efficiency with with a. Uh, with some guy, and he would just line up three chairs, and that was that was his bed. That was his bed, yeah, yeah. Um, so to go from that to like uh, um, to now being a business owner, and 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 uh, you know, he has this place, and and uh, uh, to be able to to you know, get his get his son to basically pay his his retirement or a portion of his retirement, and it has his name on it, you know. And I think that's like. I think that's a, that's, that's a cool thing for him. That's very cool. Well, let's leave it at that for now. Uh, first hour is already done, man. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Nice. It goes by fast. Yeah. I'm a joy to talk to. Yeah. I don't think I've talked this much to anyone in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. We got another hour to go, so we're going we're gonna to continue setting that record. Let's listen to uh, some Haushka, uh with Elizabeth Bay, and then we will be back after the break. Another song. And uh, some bad business ideas. I want to get into your college experience out at UCF um, and, uh, you know, talk more about the Hanau Center. Um, if you want to learn more about the Hanau Center, it's H-E-N-A-O Center dot com. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So go there, check out what they're going on, what's going on over there uh, and follow them on Facebook, too. That's really the best place to see what events are coming up and things of that nature as well. So thank you, Jose. We'll be back in a second. This is Haushka. You're listening to A Certain Degree. This episode is brought to you by Ice Pants. Are your trousers ready for a rise in temperature? A literal rise in the temperature of the earth, not the fun kind. It will be once you get a pair of Ice Pants. Similar to a regular pair of slacks, Ice Pants are lined with a space-age polymer that stays cold all day. Throw it in the freezer each night, ready to go in the morning. They come in a variety of styles, and so long as you don't iron them, you or your town won't be exposed to deadly radiation. Also, don't get them wet or feed them after midnight. Ice pants, climate change, more like climate chic. Order at toacertaindegree.com. Chuck Person on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. That was a little ditty called Lightning Strikes. And uh, from Echo Jam's Volume 1, a very good example of vapor wave music. Good morning. My name is Nick, and I am hoping lightning strikes with my guest, Jose Hanau, is here. Good morning, Jose. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jose of the Hanau Contemporary Center, hanaucenter.com. That's H-E-N-A-O, center.com. If you want to learn more, follow them on Facebook for... Uh, really interesting events coming up. So that's uh, art openings and uh, sort of a, the gallery experience, but then also live music and live events. Uh, and we're going to go through some of those a little bit later in terms of what's upcoming because there's some really cool stuff, um, including, I think, either this Friday or Saturday, some salsa dancing because I kind of mm. want to learn how to salsa dance. So looking for My understanding is I need somebody else to salsa dance with me. Uh, you can shadow salsa dance. Oh, I can shadow salsa uh-huh. dance. Then in that case, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Uh, I played the song Lightning Strikes because I'm hoping that happens with this next segment that we like to call Bad Business Ideas. So let me go ahead and play the, uh, the song. Bad business ideas. It's time to pick just one. It's going to be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. 
Yes, bad business ideas. Fewer calories than real ideas. Uh, Jose, before we get to your ideas, now I'm going to pitch two ideas to you. I'm very excited about today because these are art-related ideas. So I feel like that's something that speaks right. to you based on the conversation that we're having as an artist yourself. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit more about that, but also as sort of this this the person who put together the Hanau Contemporary Center as a, a gallery experience, as an event experience for people here in Orlando. But first, I want to talk to you about protests. So last year was really neat. Uh, Greenpeace of UK decided to protest Coca-Cola because the amount of plastic bottles they produce. So they did this in a very interesting way. Basically, they created this statue out of melted down bottles. It was this uh, seascape, people at the beach being inundated with garbage. And so what they did was this two and a half ton statue they put it right outside the entrance of Coca-Cola's headquarters in the UK. Wow. So you couldn't get in and out of the building. Wow. So I really enjoyed this because it's like protest statues. Uh, another one that happened was a couple of years ago. Do you remember when a lot of politicians here in the U.S. wouldn't meet with their constituents, wouldn't do any kind of town hall meetings and things of that nature? Mm-hmm. So what happened was this mariachi band in Colorado Uh, decided to protest a, I think it was a senator from Colorado who wasn't meeting with his constituents but was doing a Chamber of Commerce event. So if you bought a ticket and you were a member of the Chamber of Commerce, you could hear this guy talk, but otherwise he wouldn't talk to you. Okay. So they felt strongly enough about it that they went out and actually um, uh, started or became chamber members and went to this meeting, this luncheon, and started playing to protest <laughs> the senator. So I really like that. So what I, I love about this idea is that instead of getting on social media and giving a, you know, saying something on Facebook or giving a bad Yelp review, this yeah. is a way to protest through art in a way. So I wanted to see if you had any ideas on artists that you've worked with or any art that you've done yourself uh, that we could use you know, to do that. So we've got kind of the Banksies of the world, but mm-hmm. how do we actually block people, use art almost as a weapon? Um, that, well, I guess that's the beautiful thing about art is you can, sky's the limit. Your only limit is your own creativity, you know? Yeah. So you can protest a million different ways. But I, I think, um, I, I think there's more forms of art than just visual art. You know, I think artists are just problem solvers. So if you can be artistic or creative about the way that you protest, go for it. I think one of the most, um, and I'm totally going to take you off track like I have been this whole time, but. um, (laughs) uh, This is the the segues and the rabbit holes are a big component of what we do here at To a Certain Degree. So this is great. One of the most effective uh, I think forms of protests are are when uh, people just get together and completely block entry to the banks mm-hmm. uh, and the ATMs um, because that affects everyone. That affects the the banks. That affects the people that are that are going into the banks that are super busy and don't want to deal with your crap, you know. Um, but then it it, it really like uh, it really makes the loudest statement because you can't be ignored um but 
I mean, making statues, printing flyers, putting stuff in people's mailboxes, you know, just informing people because people don't know that people, people don't know much outside of their daily routine, uh, but just informing people of legislation that's getting passed. Uh, if you can do that in any, any creative way, whether it's like printing out material and stuff in mailboxes or, uh, you know, public. Yeah, and that's what I liked about this is this this very big sort of statement that yeah. they're making. That's very obvious. I mean, this statue, I don't know if I mentioned this, was made out of bottles. They melted down yeah. the bottles yeah. in order to make that to kind of showcase this is what's going on. This is what's being a uh, 100 million of those a year are being bottled. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um I don't know what else to say about that, but that's that's amazing, and it's really cool that they're they're taking their time to 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 make a statement, you know, and and, and to put that together, because that was somebody's crazy idea, you know, and then and then they got support for it and made it happen. And they absolutely did two and a half ton statue outside of your office. You're gonna take some note of that. Yeah, man, that's cool. All right, Jose, may I call you Jose? Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, I think I know you well enough to say this. You like art. Yes. Me too. Uh, music, books, the tops of lattes, uh, you name it. When it comes to music, though, uh, we're talking a little bit about this off air. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of different things, but sometimes I listen to something and I just need some time away from it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I will have to listen to uh, many other songs before I can come back to it. Uh, books are the same. Like I don't reread books necessarily that often or at least after you know, maybe a decade before I reread a book. Um, for me, paintings are something that's very similar to that. Like, I love it. I love art. I love buying art. I love receiving it as a gift. But sometimes mm. I'll put it up on the wall. And after a certain amount of time, I don't know if I'm ADD when it comes to it or I just, not that I'm bored of it. It's just like I, I want to see something new on the wall. Yeah. Now, I don't have the budget, my own budget, to be like a museum and just rotate stuff in and out. So I wanted to come up with an idea that might help myself and other people to change out art pieces more often. And -hmm. it's called Clean Slate. Clean Slate allows you to create a profile for each piece that you have. And if you're like me, you have stuff that's not even displayed because it's like I don't have enough wall space. I don't have Mm -hmm. enough places to put it that you're willing to part with. But instead of selling it, you're literally going to loan it out. Yeah. So you put it up, you put it up on this app more than likely uh-huh. and other people can see it. And maybe it's just your friends that you're doing it with. Cause maybe you don't want to loan out to the general public, Yeah. but Hey, I've got these five pieces willing to give them out for up to six months to a year. Uh, and you just swipe right on the pieces that you like. So that way you can say, Oh, Jose's got this great piece that would look great here. I can trade it out with this one and I can put that one up on, clean slate. Yeah. And that way I think the other opportunity that you have is that when you're loaning out your art, it gives you a chance to miss it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then, uh, you have this opportunity when you get it back that it's like new again, it's something a little bit different. And so clean slate, the, uh, tagline or one of the proposed taglines for it is absence makes the art grow fonder. Because it's going to be gone for a while, then it's going to be coming back, and you're going to have new art coming in, yeah. and things of that nature. What do you think about that idea? The the only thing that I see with that is 
there's way more art than there is people in the world. There's so much, there's so much sure. art, man. You know, that people can do go to a lot like, of pieces. I would imagine you have a lot of pieces at home. Do you have enough wall space for all of them? I do. I actually don't have that, that many pieces. Um, the pieces that I have, I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I just have enough for my house. Um, but I'll get really nice art um, from really good artists knowing that if I ever want to sell them, it won't be difficult. So when I do get tired of something, if I do get tired of something, uh, I can always turn around and sell it and uh, usually at a profit. So I I know the art industry well. So yeah. Um, so, so I guess yeah. this would not be, yeah. So you might not be the target market for this since you do know the art, uh, the art industry well, but I don't. Yeah. So I have all these pieces and parts and I just want to switch stuff out a little bit. Yeah. I wish there was more people like you that, yeah. that actually. I do too. Yeah. Cause then I'd have more listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be the key element is more people like me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, but I wish there was more people like you that that actually bought art that they that they liked for their home that and and that that they enjoyed um, looking at rather than something that kind of like they could just put up that's gonna match the the color, but then they never look at it again, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people. I don't know what the market is like for that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't know, man. All I right. So know. let me pitch the next idea and see if you like this one better. Museums. Oftentimes, if they have music playing, it's not really loud enough for you to hear. And sometimes it has nothing to do with whatever art is in the room or in the gallery or in the actual museum itself. So that kind of bothers me as someone who likes music and likes to curate music and likes to create mixtapes and stuff. Um, You know, I did a little research. Uh, The Metropolitan Museum of Art in uh, New York opened a new branch or a new... uh, uh, facility a few blocks away so what they did was they hired a composer to write a piece that you can listen to while you're going from one museum to the other oh that's cool and so i thought that was really neat and so can we do something like that for museums like just going in and looking around at the pieces and kind of creating different playlists yeah based on what they have i could absolutely say that i 100 percent believe there's a there's a market for that because the people at the museums are always looking for help you know for they're, they're looking for help creating experiences yeah um so if somebody's out there that that has the the technical ability and and, and wants to do it i mean these people have money these museums have money and they're looking for ways to spend it um oftentimes they, they can't find enough ways to spend it you know mm. um but they got to burn through those budgets. So go get those budget dollars if you can make that happen. So this would be called Place the Music. See, I was thinking we would have to break into the museums and look around and really have that experience beforehand, maybe even take some of the pieces home (laughs) to really see like, okay. You really planned it out. This piece is giving me this sort of feeling. Let me try with this song. Okay, no, no, this song. And it's just hung up in my in my room. That's in it. My, in my living room. That's for it. a while for for research purposes. For research purposes, Jose. I mean, that's the only reason to do that. But you're thinking the museums might actually be down for this. They might actually pay you good money to do it. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. So no breaking and entering, no Tom Cruise style lowering from the ceiling and balancing above the 
pressure, how, floor, how, arm. How acrobatic are you? Uh, well, that's what I was trying to find out, to be honest with you. But it sounds like I could, uh, I could just be more of the straightforward route. Okay, so then, so it sounds like I kind of know which one you would do, but place the music or clean slate. Which do you think has the bigger place market the music. opportunity? Okay, place the music, so we can yeah. try that out maybe at the Hanau Contemporary Center. Sure, man, and uh, make some uh, make some mixtapes for uh, the next show. And just see if there's a, a way to do that. I've cool. never actually had somebody offer to do something with a bad business idea. So this is unusual. First time. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be cool. Yeah. Like I make some of the stuff. I've actually run with a couple of them. But this is the first time somebody said, oh, yeah, we could do that. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. We're all about experiences. Over all right. There. I'm I'm frightened and excited by all this. <laughs> cool. Somebody uh, yeah, believes in me. So let's listen to a song. <laughs> And we'll come back and talk with Jose Hanau a little bit more about the Contemporary Center, about what's coming up there, and about how he got started in all that and uh, what the next step is for it. So you're going to listen to some Ulrich Schnoss, Faraway Trains Passing By on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Woke Signals. Have a habit of putting your foot in your mouth? Get rid of that toe flavor with Woke Signals. It's a simple but incredibly expensive concept. You don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want that either. So we monitor all your conversations, both in person and through all forms of electronic interfaces. If you start straying into territory that may insult or upset someone, we alert you. A simple red, yellow, and green lighting system lets you know what path you're on. That way, your saying power has staying power. Woke signals. We're always watching and helping. Order now at toacertaindegree.com. Ulrich Schnoss on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was far away trains passing by. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. And I have a very special guest, as I do every week. Jose Hanau is here. Good morning, Jose. Good morning, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jose, we don't have that much time left. So we're talking about the Hanau Contemporary Center. We talked a little bit about how... The idea for it came up, how you started it, really sort of an experiment, and it's it's gotten on its feet now, uh, two and a half years in. I wanted to take it back a step a little bit and talk about your college experience. Okay. So I know you were in the military. Did you uh-huh. do the military first and then go to UCF? Yeah, or did vice the, versa? exactly. Military first, came back, went to Valencia, uh, got my AA there, and then went to UCF. And you did a BFA there, right? And I did a BFA there, um, yeah, in uh, with a specialization in printmaking and drawing. Uh, and then I minored in business, which was, you know, if you're if you come from like an entrepreneurial family, you, you take business classes, and it, it's it's all very like elementary. Uh, which is kind of seen it all before you, it all just naturally. These are conversations that you've heard your entire life. So yeah. everything is just kind of like, duh, this is, this is like, okay. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this in doing those classes, did it help sometimes to realize that, oh, okay, so this is the name for that process or this is, oh, okay, there's a lot nice of that to know that yeah. other people do this as well or struggle uh-huh. with this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of that to, to find all the labels attached to what it is that you're doing or or all these like ideas that you already have in, in your head. Like, yeah. oh, that's what they call it. 
Did you feel like you needed that credential as well, along with the BFA? Um, to sort of minor or concentrate in business so that you could, you know, if you were ever looking for a job or something along those lines? Probably. That, I think that was the mindset. Something a little more serious than art. People are always like, oh, what are you going to do with, with an art degree? And the truth is, I, you know, you don't know. For 95% of the people, it's nothing. What are you going to do with an art degree? Nothing. But at the same time, uh, what's the percentage of people that aren't using, just in general, that aren't using their, their degree? You know, yeah. they're working in something yeah, else. It's a pretty radio, high percentage. television broadcast, and this is the only part of radio television I do is a two-hour show every week. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you get to learn something or you do something you're passionate about, the more important thing is who you know, what your plans are, what connections you're making. Yeah. Um, coming out of high school, were your plans always to go into the military or and then go to college? Not at all. Not, not at all. Um I always said that I wasn't going to go into them. Like, why? I would see the recruiters and why am I good? Why would I go to the military? Um, but I'm very ADD. So uh, I never did really well in school, even though it, it came easy to me. I was like, I was the type of student that never did a piece of homework. Uh, I never studied, but like I passed all my tests, like barely passed, but passed all my tests. Um, so it, it always came pretty Pretty easy to me, and it wasn't until after high school that I was like, "Oh, geez!" Like I look around and I'm like, "I'm not really doing anything." Uh, I barely got out of high school, you know, and and uh, there was some kind of issue with with my transcripts, uh, so I was going to downtown to get them get them printed, or I don't remember what it was. And mm-hmm. I was driving my mother's car, and I looked at the radio, and uh, um, and I looked up and I. Had, just enough time to hit another car. Uh, so this was her work car. And I was like six, seven, eight months out of high school, and I wasn't doing anything but hanging out with my friends. Uh, so you joined the military to so get away from your mom because you were afraid of her for what you did to her car. I joined the military. I told them, you got to take me now. You got to take me now because I'm not going to survive the night. It was her work car. She was so mad. Uh, no, but I joined the military because I wasn't doing anything. I was like, oh, man, now I'm like, messing up my mom's car like what else what's next you know like uh so i was like i just got to get out of here and do something and it was the best thing for for me you know uh, for my life it was it was the best thing i could have some structure gave you some purpose yeah and it it really teaches you you know what you're capable of especially if you're somebody like we were talking a little bit earlier about how convenient life is or at least i was saying uh, before we got on air how convenient convenient life is and people should really be forced to do things that are difficult. I never really tried hard to do anything until I joined the army. Uh, and it really showed me what I'm capable of. So for me, it was a really good life experience. Uh, and I think for a lot of people it would be also, I think, I think we, most people would be surprised, you know, what they're made of and what they can do. So you were in for four or five years. I was in there for four I did a, I did a, I did one tour, um, and and yeah, I mean it it was good, it was it was good. Came back and so in, in while you were uh, in the army and while you were serving, did you decide when you got back that you were going to go to college or how did that come about? It took a little while because I I came back. I didn't know if I was going to re-enlist or not. Um, 
I wanted to go to Italy or Hawaii. They all had my my uh, my duty stations. I was in North Carolina. You know, I got deployed. I was like, oh man, it's it's gray in North Carolina. You know, overseas kind of sucks. If I can get to uh, uh, like Hawaii or Italy or Germany, I'll stay. Uh, but my folks wanted some help um, with their business. So my father had just landed a contract with Disney and he wanted some help with his business. So I looked at it like, all right, well, I'll go help him. Same thing. Man. I'll go help him. Uh, I'll go help him for like a year and it'll be like vacation. And then I'll just like reenlist. I'll come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so then I came because otherwise you only get two weeks a year. So I was like, all right. I can re-enlist now or I can re-enlist in like six months, take a sure. six-month vacation, come back at a sign-on bonus and like whatever. Uh, and then I came and, and, and it was a nice challenge. I just, I like challenges, honestly. So then I came and, and uh, they, had a, um, they had a contract with Disney, but it was a small contract. Um, they were like the B company. Uh, and they were very disorganized because it was just family, you know? Uh, my, my dad landed this contract, so he brought his sister and brother and, 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 and father-in-law and, and, you know, like it was all these family members in there just working on this, uh, uh, working on this stuff and there was no organization. So I, I, I basically took everything that I learned from the army and, and got everybody grudgingly, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm sure they just went along. It, yeah. You know. They were super happy to listen to you. It was, yeah, it was terrible. It was, <laughs> it was really bad, but uh, it was really good for the company uh, because Disney thought that we were too small to handle the A side, the big, the, the big. They weren't happy with that company, uh, but they thought we were too small to handle it. So, just with like organizing and, and consistent effort for a couple of years, we were able to take that A side contract and and. Uh, uh, and it was fun. And then it got boring because there's only so much more you can do. Like now we have the big contract and, and it's here. And you improved and, all the systems. And so. And it's now it's just routine. Minor things that yeah. So it got really boring. And then I, yeah. then, then, then I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to use the GI bill. There's only a certain amount of time that, that, uh, um, really you have me, you're going to get to a certain point and maybe like, I'd like to go back to school for, for like engineering or, or, uh, um, maybe, uh, uh, architecture. Um, but there's only a certain amount of time in your life and then you have kids, you know, and yeah, it's, it, it so becomes married, like, had kids and it, it becomes, leave again. yeah, it becomes more difficult to, to really set time out to, to, to do that, to add that to your play. When you're by yourself, you're just a student, you're just by yourself, you can make that your life's focus. Um, so what was your experience going to uh, Valencia and then going over to UCF? I love Valencia. Uh, I thought I thought Valencia was, was great. Uh, UCF was okay. Um, it's a really nice campus, had some really great uh, professors, but there's something special about Valencia um that it's it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to 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 pinpoint at least for art anybody that's studying art it's like um it's it's more it's more familial and even their even their uh um their video production department or whatever I don't know if you know but apparently uh Steven Spielberg said it's one of the best schools that you can go to for 
um, video stuff? Yeah, for like movie, movie stuff. Hmm. Yeah, he, apparently he donated all of their equipment. All of their equipment is like Steven Spielberg's money. Did they, he sign it? Each piece? Nah, I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, think so. They say but that they, would get stolen pretty quick. Yeah. That's very cool. Their equipment is fantastic, yeah. though. Like I, I've, I've heard some really good things about Valencia's, especially their art program. But in general, it's a really good experience mm-hmm. uh, for students, I think. And what a success story, man. They're, they're so big. They've only gotten better and better every year. Um, yeah, some other, a lot of other community colleges, which they're not a community college anymore. I think it's just like a college, state college now, yeah. state college. But a lot of them, a lot of those schools that pop up, I feel like after five years, seven years, 10 years, they start to look run down. That place has just expanded and grown. And man, whoever's running that is really got it together valencia everybody who runs that is a big listener so they'll be happy to hear cool i mean ucf too ucf ucf's grown how much ucf is yeah what are they at 60 70 000 students jesus christ i don't know man all right so bfa were you always i guess this is the other question were you always an artist did you always draw or was that something that just came up like later in life and you decided to do that as a, as a major to sort of, like, yeah. like you were saying, you know, you've got this. I think everybody right? draws when, did you draw when you were a kid? Yeah. I mean, Portland. Yeah. 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 Every, that's, and that's every, why I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody draws uh, poorly. I, you know, I was sure. never like really good at it. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'd, I'd like draw my, draw the cartoons and stuff. Um, but I guess, did you like, you knew you had the business side already, so you were like, let me go ahead and get an art degree. Yeah. Um, is that what it was, or was it that you were that passionate about it? No, what's, what's, really, what's really interesting is, like, uh, before I went into the Army, I was, like, watching movies like Scarface and Boondock Saints and, you know, going out and, and, and partying and getting, getting, into, getting yeah. into fights and stuff. Yeah, rom-coms. Uh, and then you come back from the Army, and, and, and you, you, at least for me... I try to distance myself as much from all of that. Like I didn't feel the need to like, uh, uh, to, 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 I don't know, to act bro tough or whatever, or, to yeah, bro out. Yeah, yeah. So. exactly. So, um, it was just, um, it was just for me kind of like a way to buy time and do something that I enjoyed and just kind of like do it for myself and I was getting the GI Bill and working with my folks, and um, so I was good, you know. I was I was doing fine for myself, and uh, I was just taking art classes, um, really expecting something to happen, but not really knowing what, you know. But like just keeping my eyes open uh, and just working really hard at everything that I did, everything that I did in the meantime, just trying to do whatever it was that I was doing to my best ability and just looking around like what's, you know, something's got to give, like something. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I always kind of felt like something, something special and creative and something that was going to be a good fit for me that was going to be financially stable was going to come. But I, you know, just kind of just, kept working and trying to do my best at everything until it came. So even though you had tried, and we talked a little bit earlier about creating some art spaces with friends, mm-hmm. was that 
did that come about just because you were taking these art classes and you were keeping yourself open to these that, opportunities? That came about from just looking around at Orlando and seeing that there, there's, there's a void there. There's like a, there's a need. Um, there's some really cool music venues. And uh, there's some nice, you know, my my favorite gallery before I opened my space, obviously, was a, a, a gallery at Mills Park. I didn't make it to Snap a lot. Uh, I've, I've only been to one of their events, but it's a really nice place. And the turnout was great. The vibe was, was excellent. But I'm not really heavy into photography. So my favorite art space was, was the gallery at Avalon. Um, uh and I was, I, so I guess to answer your question, uh, opening up the art space was uh, kind of like the result of getting involved in the art scene, mm-hmm. making friends. I started, I started um, painting just for myself when I came back from, from, from the army um, and just showing my friends and, and also spray painting. So like, I'd buy a I'd buy a twenty four pack of beer and I'd tell my friends, hey, I got I have some cans and there's these open walls over there. Come hang out and I'd just get them drunk and like we would just hang out and I would just practice. I would practice putting art up on walls via spray paint cans and and uh, uh, meeting people and just kind of seeing going out to art openings and being like, ah, there could be something more, you know, there could be something that that's got a little more energy behind it that's not a little that's not so uh i guess stuffy you know a lot of people think when they're going to go to a a art opening that it might be too stuffy for them right yeah Um, there's an intimidation factor there's a there's a bit of an intimidation factor yeah like maybe like oh am i not going to be able to talk about these things or understand them dressed correctly i'm gonna is somebody gonna make me want to like push me to buy something or, or that sort of thing so, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally rational fear, but it's not really based in reality. Nobody's going to try to, you know, push anything on you or, or try to make you explain an art piece or, you know, do any of those things in, 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 a, in a traditional gallery. Um, but especially not in art and in, in, in our place, yeah. you know, we don't push the, the, the Scott White show that completely sold out. The first piece we sold, um, the guy was like, Oh, there you are. So you're you're the person. Finally, you're the person to to talk to about uh, about buying art. And then it was like he said that, and then like three other people were like, oh, "Okay, I want this one. I want this one. I want this one." You know, but nobody's walking around like, "Hey, which one do you like?" You know, <laughs> what is it going to take to put that one in your home? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. The used car art sales person <laughs> might be a good idea or a bad business idea. Um, one thing I talk about when it comes to a makerspace, and so when I'm trying to explain a makerspace to somebody, it's, you know, you're talking about all the, the pieces and parts that are the tools, but it's really about the place itself, the community that's built around it. Mm-hmm. You get to talk to people, you get to like share ideas and not be worried about other people stealing them. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the heart of it is this idea of the shared space and the shared community will help you do better things, will help you see opportunities that you may not have seen. Is that part of what you created? Uh, that's all now? of it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's 98% of it. You know, 98% of it's the community that's, that's, that's around, you know, um, 
the people behind chicken and beer, the the candies, the, the people behind uh, the one, two, three, four, five uh, uh, music and art mini festivals, the Julians, the uh, um, you know uh, the Halseys of Orlando, you know the um, uh, it's it's a hundred percent them. There's there's a lot of cool people doing really amazing things at the center, like really cool people. And I'm not one of those cool people. You know, I'm just like I'm just there to kind of like support and facilitate, yeah, and 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 help them out. But it's a hundred percent community, you know, and them, and and when they get together and 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 work together and, and these cross collaborations happen. Um, some really special things, some really special things happen when, you know, musicians get in touch with artists, get in touch with sculptors, get in touch with, uh, visual, you know, now they have all these, uh, um, like tech based visual experiences that Mm -hmm. people are putting together. Um, and, and, and they work together to create something that, that that's kind of in line with them and their vision. And, and that's what makes it unique and, and special. You know, what makes it a unique experience is that it's from them. It's not it's not the formula of, of going to whatever, you know, you normally do. Um, everything's kind of like everything is broken down and structured because that's the way business has to be. But luckily... Uh, our business is 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 able to be a little bit more free and exper- experiential, and that's uh, and and that's you know that's what's that's what's given its uniqueness and 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 kept it going for so long. You wear a lot of hats, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody asks you what you do, what do you say? I just say I'm a local business owner, small business owner. <laughs> it's an easy answer yeah yeah and they're like oh well, what kind of business do you have and i say i have an art art and event space and i have a little art and event space in, in orlando florida uh, a little underground art and event space yeah that sums it up and that's that's about the time that they hear art and they say oh okay uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i just let it go i'm like okay that's cool and you do that at your detriment is to not take Jose Hanau seriously. Um, what's the best way? Okay, so w- let me, before I forget, the Hanau Contemporary Center is a traditional art gallery. So mm-hmm. you have regular hours that you can go in there and see the pieces. Right now, during the summer, this particular summer, um, we're taking a break from art shows we're gonna we're gonna start doing art shows again in the fall because we're we're doing the transition we're swapping the room so the front room is okay, going to so be a performance space sort of construction yeah and, but still doing events still doing events okay. music events through the summer summer's great for music events um and then in the fall we're already planning our first uh comeback art show which is going to be really dope um super cool it's gonna bring somebody in from everything going to plan, bring somebody in from, from LA and link them up with some really cool, um, uh, designers from here in, in, in Orlando and see what they can do. Yeah, man. I'm really excited about, yeah. about the show. Yeah. Hopefully and everything works out. Approximately when will that open? Probably, uh, August, August or September. No, oh, okay. sep- yeah. 
about August or September. Late August, early September. July, August, September. Yeah, September depends on the weather. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe October. You know, once it once it uh, once it cools down. Well, because what's nice about it in the time that I went is that you have sort of an outdoor space as well there. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people just outside yeah. uh, uh, spray painting and creating some art out there as well. And mm-hmm. so that was pretty neat, too, to see something like that and to have that experience. So yeah. what would a good experience for people be if they were to come in for the first time? What would you suggest they go to? Or do you have something in mind coming up that well, there's a good intro? there's the... Uh, um it depends on what your interests are. So you talked about the salsa dancing. Um, that's really cool. That's put together by Body Talk. Uh, they're a local local organization here in Orlando. But it's cool because they actually teach. They'll have like they'll have like a thirty minute session to where it's like a crash course in these like three types of Spanish dancing. Um, and then they have and then you know they'll start to play the music so everybody feels comfortable. Um, and the first time they did it, I've never seen that many people dance literally everybody was dancing i don't i don't think there was at any given time more than two people that weren't dancing yeah uh so it was cool it was a lot of fun uh so that's so that's one but i i'm particular to to the art events you know so um if you're a first timer and you just want to go listen to some good music and 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 see some see some good art and a really relaxed uh environment nice clean big open space um one of the art events is going to be really good for you uh otherwise you can check out the music and see what what kind of music you're into check out the website um our instagram uh facebook it's a uh, henao center and, and just uh, so that everybody gets it it's uh, h-e-n-a-o h-e-n-a-o yeah and then just you know whatever whatever looks interesting to you you, you go check it out and um, it's not going to be boring, whatever it is. It's not going to be boring. So, yeah, come out. Have a lot of fun there. Uh, HenalCenter.com, uh, as Jose said, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all of that. Yeah, I have nothing to add. Jose, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad I got to know you a little bit better. That story is a that's a really good story. You should be telling everybody that story. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to polish it up. See if All I can right. get it a little. I'm glad I could be the first person I can help you uh, uh, get that story out. Yeah. So, cool. That was thank nice. you so much, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. No, it's my pleasure. Let's listen to some childish Cambino. Cool. To take us out. This is Stand Tall. That seems appropriate. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you've been listening to A Certain Degree. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for To A Certain Degree. And also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. You can listen to other amazing people from around Central Florida who are doing great things. You can read about our latest harebrained schemes. And if nothing else, you can confirm that your internet is working. If you liked what you heard, let me know. I love hearing from people. I mean, I assume I would. I'm, I'm so very lonely. 